Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping episode 69. Hello. <laughs> I'm your host, M. With me is regular co-host Jackson. Ah, oh, it's good to be back, video games. It's good. It's been it's a long time. Good to episode 69. Some would say it's fun. <laughs> Jackson, yes. What have you been up to on this our 69th episode? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. All you've got to do is say the word, and it'll go away. Do I? Do I have to? Okay. All right. I'm gonna. Do, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say it like I mean it. All right. Let's see if we can do this. Gonna. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, there we go. All done, All right. taken care of. Hello. Yes. No. It's been it's been fun. Uh, I've been playing some video games again. We're back at school. Uh, I finished Final Fantasy X, which was a huge fucking like thing because we're obviously doing that for this episode. And playing an RPG, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot. But then I got that out of the way slightly earlier, and I did some. I just played some video games. It was nice. What have you been playing? I've been playing Super Mario Sunshine. Super Mario Sunshine. What's that? <laughs> it's a video game. What's a video game? <laughs> okay. Uh, so early, earlier in the year, I played uh, Mario 64 a couple months ago. Yes. Uh, and I, I loved it. I thought Mario 64 was excellent uh, in the way That's that I said it is. It, it is. Yeah. No, because I didn't know if I was going to bounce off it or if I was going to uh, like... Because I obviously know, oh, Mario 64, that's an important video game. But I didn't know if I was going to actually like personally love it on a level without this is an important game. Uh, but I ended up really being into it. Uh, Sunshine, not as good as Mario 64. Don't believe any contrarian takes. It's not that good. Look, I love Mario Sunshine. It is not Mario 64. No. <laughs> Let's be real. But it's a good time. Um, it's uh, It goes on a little too long because of its structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you have because there's less game there, they make it so you have to basically do all the actual stages, uh, rather than get an amount of shines, um, which is fine. It ends up being fine. There's a couple of really bullshit stages, uh, but the game's fun. Mario's fun. Um, it is looser than you would want a Mario game to be for a platforming these days. Uh, but it's a different time. It's no blinks the time sweeper. Yeah, no, the GameCube. The GameCube. GameCube. The Dolphin. Did you play that on Dolphin? I played that on Dolphin. I don't have that run. Good? It runs fine. Yeah, it runs completely fine. Did you, like, up-res it to where it looked beautiful and shit? I up-resed it to three times resolution. God, I bet that looked great. It did. I went to Super Mario Sunshine, uh, or Steal My Sunshine, and was like, why is it so blurry? (laughs) Because an SD system. (laughs) Yeah, it it looked very good. Uh, The water's amazing. It's a good game. It's a good Mario game. Uh, I don't recommend anyone like go and play it. <laughs> I mean, well, so it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to like even get like you have to have a GameCube now. Like, there's no re-release of that game or anything. So you you know you either have to have a GameCube or get it on Dolphin. Dolphin. Yeah. Um, um, but also, it's like it is a game that exists if you played Mario sixty four and kind of want more of that, but not exactly because it's not quite that. Yeah. Uh, it. It's weird. I mean, it's the closest thing to Mario 64 that has existed up until uh, the day this episode goes live. Oh, I'm so Hopefully. ready. The, that yeah. is the backstory for why I'm doing this, is I'm, I've just got that Mario itch. I, yep. you, there's a, you have to stop me from like starting up another Mario game before Odyssey, which I, I shouldn't do it. But God, I want to. All you have left is Galaxy 2, so don't do that. 
Uh, I could f- play the like second half of 3D Land. I could play 3D World. These are games I haven't uh, that deep into. Don't. I, I mean, I won't now, but I should one day. Yeah, no. One day after Odyssey's done. I know, I know, I know. I just love that Mario. Mario's good. Mario I became time. a Mario person. That's one of the consequences of this fucking podcast. Yeah, no. Look, if it's good, you do it. That's the that's the slogan. That's Mario's famous <laughs> slogan. If it's good, you do it. Yeah, Mario comes out and he goes, if it's good, you do it. That's what he yep. says. That's how he sounds. That's Mario. Yeah, no, 100%. That's Mario. That's a him. That's a him. Mario. That's Mario. I look over at my date when Mario comes on the screen and says, that's a no. him, Mario. No you, no, you don't. You don't do that at all. That's I Cappy. Do. Oh, no. That's a much worse joke. Is it? Is it? Yes, because it only relies upon a rhyme and not, like, subverting the entire construction of the phrase. Don't fucking talk to me about subverting the entire construction of the phrase when you spent the first 90 seconds of this podcast going, 69! That was for, some things are for me, and some things are for the evolution of the joke form. Okay. This is for the evolution of the joke form. I want you to be a better comedian. Do you? That, that's what you want from No, me. I don't. <laughs> well, you want, when you think of things that I could bring to the table, be a better comedian is on your list. Yep. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, what have you been playing? So uh, I've been playing a lot of things, but the game I want to talk about is a newish, newish game. It came out like two weeks ago. It's it called did. Yono and the Celestial Elephants, which is a game by Neckbolt Games that came out on the Switch and Steam. And it's it's really good. So a while a while back, like fucking two years ago at this point, we did a game called Lily Child of Geos. Um, there was like a kind of cute kids exploration game, uh, but we had a lot of like like our episode ended up being about the ways in which the tone was clearly like for like a weirder, older, like meanier audience, and sometimes it veered into uncomfortable territory. Yono is basically like a two D Zelda for like a very similar age group. Like you could play this when you're like six or seven, but the writing is much more like intense and deep. It's not creepy in the way Lily was, but is instead about like there's this world where these elephants come every thousands, like a thousand, couple thousand years, and they are seen as like these messiah figures in this world, and you come at this time where this queen has basically like established uh, an empire over all the various lands that you visit and the people of these lands don't like being colonized. So there's like these like skeleton people who have basically like retreated into hibernation instead of being dead alive in this world. And then there's all these mechanical people that don't believe in the elephants being saviors who have gone on to form like a democracy uh, in their like little enclave that they've been all shuffled off to. Uh, like the geopolitics and the philosophies of stuff is way higher. Like it aims higher than the game does. And it's really interesting. Uh, I think if I was a kid, I would like either be really bored or love it. And I can't tell because I haven't been a kid in a long time, but I thought the game itself was super charming. You get to be a cute elephant and you get to get skins for your elephant to make it look cute. And uh, it's like four hours long, which is the perfect length for any video game. (laughs) Yes. No, that is the abnormal mapping rule. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about like a 60 hour video game in a minute. I know. It's also a good video game, but what if it was only four hours long? Actually, it'd be a mess. Uh, no, that would be a mess. That wouldn't work. <laughs> but uh, I, it sounds cool. Like, that way of, instead of it being, like, um, kind of... because So, I played a little bit of Golf Story, and I bounced off it. I might play more 
but I bounced off it because the game is very cute uh, in its design, but the writing is has that thing of it's clearly aiming older, it's being jokier. Uh, I found I found the tone of the jokes kind of nastier, just in that kind of like online way. Uh, the whole yeah. thing's about sticking it to your ex wife, and just the way it's like I came here for. I was promised Earthbound with golf, and no one's going to be making a joke about your fucking mean ex wife on Earthbound. Like yeah, the ways in, and and that's a game that people cite a lot as being something that goes like adds in dark undertones for what would be in a kids game but you have to be very careful and deliberate about what that is and so seeing that surface in a bunch of smaller games in different ways some more successful than others has been interesting uh yeah, yeah. sounds something that might be up my alley i will i would like yeah, to play no, it at it, some point it, because because none of it's really played like the the jokes are just like here's cute characters that are funny not necessarily we're writing jokes it never feels like it is like trying to sneak in dark humor around the kids it's just the things that are about are like deeper than i would expect from the kind of game it is uh and not in a bad way it's just one of those things where like you look at this stuff as like games are starting to have like a burgeoning games for kids scene and you realize writing for children is incredibly difficult yep and i would say the problem with lily and the problem i was having with uh uh golf story and the like couple hours i spent with it was it just in the moments where it needs to be earnest it doesn't commit to being earnest and you can have jokes you can have a bunch of stuff but you have to you still have to care and if you under if the jokes undercut the sense of earnestness and the sense of caring that's where it's going to fall apart for me like you need to have that be intact and i i hold that true for basically games aimed at anyone like obviously there's a specific tone of games aimed at kids but i want things to be earnest usually as a rule i like yeah you know you know is 100 percent earnest and it ends up being really good in that way that's good uh, yeah. I might play it at some point. I hear it's yeah. just a, a 2D type Zelda game. It's isometric, yeah. right? That's how it. Yeah, it's isometric. Uh, all most of the puzzles are like pushing boxes, and it. But like, it is easy enough that only one room was difficult. Like, it is. It is pretty good. Nice. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, it's nice and cute. So that's what we've been doing. I'm not going to talk about other games I've been playing because. Uh, Look, things are going on in the world, so we can't talk about the games that we've played or don't feel comfortable talk- like advocating games that we liked because of their developers. <laughs> you probably know what we're talking about. Yep, you played Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was talking That's about That's not what you're all. talking about at all. No. Um, no, I saved my Sonic. I saved hashtag Sonic Studies for the Patreon letter. Thank yes, you. You know, you linked me just one of the multiple videos you watched from the Sonic fandom about the problems upcoming in Sonic Forces. That is who you are now. That is who you have become. Please embrace oh, this identity. So this I didn't. I didn't link them because I agreed with them. I, know. I linked them because I was curious why everyone seems to be really down on Forces when it just seems like Generations Two. And the answer is it's Generations Two. And while they like Generations, now that they've got mania they've all lost their minds again and sonic cannot be good in 3d uh yeah i mean the, the thing about sonic fandom being actually 19 different fandoms warring at once means that whatever happens it'll always be a trash fire yeah no, that's they, true. they came together under one banner for so long and so now when something goes right it can only make it worse yep god <laughs> they're doomed they're doomed that's uh, all right mario time i pure the sonic forces <laughs> Yes, you've got Mar- you have two games pre-ordered right now. You don't buy new games, you don't pre-order games, but you have two games pre-ordered. So the the reason Mario's pre-ordered is because you get that sweet sweet Amazon twenty percent discount. That's not the reason uh, that Sonic Forces is pre-ordered though. Sonic Forces pre-ordered because I played Mania and I loved Mania and I played Colors and I didn't like Colors and I was like, I wish I could just play Generations, but a new game. Guess what? It's coming out in November. Hooray! You can you get to make your, your Sonic OC. OC. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we both watched I'm the excited. trailer. Well, Specifically, we watched the trailer where 
Uh, it's not even trailer. It was just footage from like Gamescom or something. Okay, I didn't even know it was an official. Like it was just yep. just a cut from a, a site. Yeah, it was. Just, it was just people playing a demo at like a, ga- a trade show in Europe or something like that. And then like when your meter fills and you go into like the boost mode with on the stages with two like Sonic and the OC, like the OC and Sonic like fuse into one beam and zoom through the stage as the vocals drop on the ridiculous like dance uh, pop music. I don't know what it's like. Sonic's butt rock has become kind of electro pop, but in a very like modern ridiculous kids way it's a lot it's anime as hell yep. it seems amazing yeah. and you immediately pre-ordered the game <laughs> yeah no that's that's what did it i'm sonic trash now sorry everybody This month's Game Club, we have played Final Fantasy X, which is a video game uh, that came out in 2001 for the PS2, developed by Square, uh, published by Square, the last developed and published game from Squaresoft. (sighs) Square Software, as they were known. (laughs) You've put a little story summary. We thought we would play this in our, like... We've been playing through the Final Fantasy games. We played seven, we played eight, we went back and played four and six, and then we played nine, and now we're here, ready to cross into the PlayStation 2 era, ready to play Final Fantasy X. Uh, and I had been promised uh, for years that this game was Final Fantasy XIII but good, and I didn't understand what that meant as a phrase, and I guess we're about to find out, because that it ended up being true. So you've written a nice little... Uh, short short for this game story summary of basically what happened so we can get everyone on the same page and go into it yeah uh, as always i mean i I guess i like 10's a game where i really actually like the story so if you have not played final fantasy 10 and you don't want to know what happens in final fantasy 10 you should have played final fantasy 10 it's really good but i'm about to tell you what happens i guess uh i'm gonna step in and say uh i i doubled this also if you're playing final fantasy 10 and you are halfway through final fantasy 10 and you think this game's not that great i'll just listen to the podcast it's gay you should you should really stick through to the end i was there too you should stick through to the end what happens in final fantasy 10 Titus is a blitzball ace from the technological wonderland of Xanarkin. On the night of the big game, Xanarkin is attacked by a giant monster, and Titus and his long-lost father's friend Aran are pulled through a portal. Titus washes ashore in the land of Spira, a place where machines are decayed because they are forbidden by the religion of Yevon, worshipped by people suffering under the giant monster's sin. This monster, the same that attacks Xanarkin, returns every ten years to plague the land and summoners pilgrimage to gain the power to defeat Sin for another decade. Titus falls in with the young summoner Yuna on her pilgrimage, which takes him across the land to Spira's Xanarkin, the ruins of a once great city where the power of the final Aeon exists, a summon that can defeat Sin and bring about the calm. Yuna's father defeated Sin the last time with the help of two men, Aran and Titus's father Jekt, who was also pulled into Spira when he disappeared in Titus's childhood. 
Titus, Yuna, and her companions pilgrimage across the land, encountering a world of devastation where people live in the specter of constant death. Yevon itself is headed by maesters who cling to the material world after they die, ghosts who shepherd the world through endless cycles of sin and calm, trying to minimize damage best they can. Along the way, Titus learns that Sin itself is somehow his father Jekt, through Arin, who joins the champions guarding Yuna, which only strengthens Titus's resolve to confront Sin to tackle the trauma his father brought to him throughout his childhood. One of the maesters, a man named Seymour, attempts to marry Yuna to consolidate his power, but this attention only pulls Yuna and her champions into the world stage where they become central to the hope of this generation, as she's clearly the only one who will be capable of defeating Sin. On this journey through Spira and along the continuing evidence of Yevon's hypocrisy, Titus learns the truth. To defeat Sin, the summoner must sacrifice themselves. Yuna's father did it, and Yuna will do it. But as they learn more of the world, the situation seems more and more tenuous. Why sacrifice the young when the old cling to life, demanding a sacrifice they themselves will not make? When the pilgrimage finally makes to Xanarkand, they learn the full truth of the world. Yu Yevon, a summoner from Xanarkand a thousand years ago, watched the city become destroyed by Bevel, a nation of machine weapons. Yu Yevon put the survivors and other summoners into eternal sleep, using their power to constantly summon a dream Xanarkand at its peak. While doing this, he wrapped himself in living armor, a monster called Sin. But Sin's not just a monster, it's Yu Yevon joining with the final Aeon, who is always one of the traveling companions of the summoner, offered up to defeat Sin to bring about each calm. For a thousand years, a summoner dies, their companion is enslaved, and Yu Yevon becomes Sin until it's destroyed again and the cycle repeats. Titus, Yuna, and everyone else resolve to break the cycle of sacrifice and Spira by entering Sin and stopping Yu Yevon himself, though Titus knows to do so would be to end the dream of the pristine Xanarkand where he and Jekt are from. He hides this from the group as they attack Sin and enter inside, where they confront Jekt as he's slowly being consumed by the monster of Sin. Titus knows his father and Arn had planned for this to happen for ten years, ready to sacrifice themselves to free all of Spira from Yu Yevon's fall. Titus and Yuna destroy Yu Yevon by killing all of Yuna's aeons, forcing him to reveal himself without a new vessel to possess. The world is saved, the cycles of death and monstrous rebirth are washed away, but with it goes Titus as the dream ends and the summons of Xanarkand fade away, leaving Yuna alone to confront a new world without the burden of sin and a new era of eternal calm. There we have it. That's Final Fantasy X. Tune in next time for... No, we've got to have to talk about this video game. <laughs> Final Fantasy X's a lot. There's a lot. So, like, this is the first PS2 game, and they announced 9, 10, 11 all at the same time. Yes, they did. And this is the game that's like the power of the PlayStation 2, the console so powerful that they weren't sure they were going to be able to bring it to America because the chips could launch missiles. Uh, <laughs> 2000 was a fucking time, oh, y'all. What uh, a different time. <laughs> um,. So this is like the move to 3D, the move to voice acting, like everything is like rendered in engine more or less. And uh, this is the most PlayStation 2 video game that has ever existed. <laughs> yes. It, I mean, so playing this, um, it, I've played Lost Odyssey before, which isn't the PS2 game, but comes from that era of 3D uh, JRPGs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like directly. And it's like, oh, right. This is where all of that come from. This is the moment that you switch from uh, the early Final Fantasies as a model of like what the world thinks JRPGs are to switch to this of, of like realistic characters. Everything's like 10 times more anime. Uh, everything uh, is like slightly more, slightly older, slightly more beautiful, slightly more like just a lot 10 times longer a lot more systems uh it's all here everything that happens to jrpgs happens here and it had disastrous effects on uh on the company on the genre uh, on... uh to be fair this game was a runaway success yes but 
it is directly responsible for Final Fantasy thirteen. Yes, no, one hundred percent. It makes Square Enix inevitable. Yeah, no, it really does. Um, but like this, this actual game, everything about it is like it's very well done. It's incredibly well executed. I've had a great time with it. Uh, but it's where it's where the switch happens. It's where everything like the because JRPGs you say were like on the PS one were the thing that everyone was super into, right? Like that was like Final Fantasy seven was the big spectacle game that's the thing yeah you created a you created an entire genre where the storytelling was like intense and involved in a way that they weren't before because you had disc systems that could do extensive cutscenes and cg and like suddenly you had beautiful video games that people could play because the thing with jrpgs is that they might be involved but they're usually really easy uh especially if you're willing to just drop time into them because you can just level up and get better and beat the game uh and this is logical extension where now you're making movies out of the uh, out of the game. Like you're just you've got voice acting, you've got huge, beautiful cutscenes. You spend millions and millions of dollars on the video game, and that's great when you're SquareSoft. It's not so great when you're like TriAce. Ah, <laughs> oh, Star Ocean Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, what happened with Final Fantasy X is it created a template that literally no one could sustain, including Square itself. No, because. Yeah, no, they, they can't do it. And, like, Final Fantasy fifteen exists, and even that game, even after thirteen, they still had to, like, go all in in such a way that they created a whole fucking movie starring, like, Aaron Paul and people in order to try to make that, like, it is impossible Jackson, to not go, yes, what? This is Final Fantasy X. It has almost been as long between Final Fantasy oh. 1 and Final Fantasy 10 as it is between Final Fantasy 10 and Final Fantasy 15. There have only been two mainline single-player Final Fantasy games. Yep. And both of them were basically announced at the same time. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, God. No. Yeah, and no, this is what happened. Part of that is just Square is ridiculous and have continue to refuse to back down right like yeah i mean what happened the year after this or maybe the same year i don't remember but spirits of thing came out and everything blew up forever yeah but like the stories about 14 and like we are the greatest artists on earth and we'll spend decades crafting a pot with a thousand polygons like i don't know the number that's probably actually as many polygons are as are in regular pots i don't know um i don't i don't think that's true i don't think that's true at all i, I don't fucking know ask me anything about polygons yeah. Um, uh, what do you know about polygons? Seven out of ten. <laughs> no, I was gonna do that. Um, no, so yeah, it's it's a weird game. It sits in this place. It you can see how everything fell apart, but the actual game itself is overwhelming in a very good way. I like it a whole bunch. Where do we actually want to start talking about the video game? Do you want to talk about characters and story? Do you want to talk about mechanics, or do you want to talk about development? I want you to choose. I hate making choices. I mean, we should talk about. We're already talking about development, so let's finish that. Okay, up. so, so the thing with this game is, uh, they so they looked at Final Fantasy and they're like, okay, people kind of hated. Like this is in the era where there's still a lot of pushback in on eight because eight was like everyone's like, oh, it's too sci-fi, it's too like teenagers and space bullshit. We don't like it. We want to go back to f- like fantasy. It says Final Fantasy. It's right in the name. Uh, and so with nine, they were like, well, let's go back to the old style games, crystals and like knights and shit, like real ass fantasy. And then this game, they were like, what if we just redefined what fantasy was instead of like European fantasy? What if we went and like made a specifically like, uh, like Southeast Asian style fantasy where like, especially in the cutscenes and especially in design of the world, like these are Asian characters. Like Yuna walks around in a kimono and does like spirit sending ceremonies. Like Titus is like a very brown Asian boy. Like there are fishing villages in a way that you would never see in a European style game. Like this game 
tries to redefine fantasy as like being Asian as hell. And it's really cool. Yes. That stuff's amazing. I love it. I especially love the way, like in the cutscenes, everyone looks much more distinctly Asian than they do in like their character models. Cause in game, everyone just kind of vaguely looks like anime kingdom hearts, but older. Yeah. And in the cutscenes, they totally don't. They look very like these, this is an Asian world with Asian people in it. Uh, and mm. that's very cool, but it's makes you sad about like the way it went of, you look at, you know, advent children and stuff and, and just across the board, the design of how you keep like the uh, de-racialized nature of like anime aesthetics across fucking 3D animation has been like uh, codified after this. And it's sad because you see cause, like this is a game that is very specific about where it comes from uh, that I've appreciated a lot. And it makes me bummed out that uh, that is not a thing that has been sustained as time yep. has gone on. Uh, part of this new, like, redefining fantasy or and Final Fantasy itself is that this game was originally much more ambitious. It had online features, did not ship with them. Uh, it had, like, enemies you fought on the world, like, in the world where you just run across them and, like, attack them and then you get into battle. Did not ship with them. Nope. It had, like, a free-roaming 3D camera that, like, allowed you to, like, pivot around the characters you walk through these 3D environments. Did not ship with them. I, I think 15... No, 12 has that. A lot of these things ended up filtering back into 12. Uh, but the like amount of things that were in this game that just immediately got cut uh, because, oh god, we have to make a video game, is... Uh, there's a lot. Because this game is literally, outside of cutscenes, is you run forward across all of the environments until you get to go back to them through a list, and then you can beat the game. It is nothing. It is the tiniest game. It is a straight line, far more than, like... 13 like 13 is more egregious about it and people hate it more because there's no fucking towns but the actual yeah. areas are so much more explicitly straight lines here yeah yeah you literally like most of that game once you hit like the mainland is literally just holding up on the joystick for like 10 hours yeah no it is it totally is yeah it's a lot sometimes you hold right like because yeah. the camera's in a different place yeah no they'll pivot the camera and then sometimes you have to solve a fucking puzzle because they were like what do we do we don't have dungeons anymore what if we had puzzles it's the worst thing. I guess we're going to talk about mechanics now. It's <laughs> a good segue to mechanics. So there's no dungeons because you're walking on the world and the enemies just will attack you in the world. So instead, they give you the goddamn Cloister Trials stuff, which sucks. It's all bad. Oh, we got to move balls into holes and you got to put uh, put the sphere up. And Oh, what sphere is this? Then? I'm going to put it in this sphere and I might open this wall, but you can only hold one sphere at a time. You can only, uh, like... You can't bank anything. You can't switch anything easily with, like, you can't replace something and then take hold it. You have to find an open hole to place the sphere in before you can... It's hell. It's the worst. I hate it so much. The closer trials suck. Oh, God. So the thing that, like, happened here, it's weird because, like, this is a thing that filters back into 13 is that I feel like when they, with the move to, like, full 3D, like, high fidelity of video games, they lost faith in the like cycle of battles exploration towns cutscenes like the the like cycle of how these games work has been really static for nine entries and suddenly in part i wonder if it's because like all of a sudden you have like in engine voiced characters interacting with each other that's what your party is and so the idea is like you can't afford to do that with the town so towns become devalued so you need another thing to take up the kind of space that that takes up and in the answer here is puzzle dungeons. And then eventually the answer is, well, we don't have anything. We just have cutscenes and fighting. That's literally all 13 is cutscenes and fighting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's like the fighting is... Um, 
the fighting in uh, other Final Fantasies comes in the context of a dungeon, and it is mostly about managing resources as you go further. Like it is, the battles do not exist on uh, their own time frame right they are about the cumulative effect of battling into a dungeon and do you have enough potions to sustain yourself and yep. they've been moving slightly away from that like in through the ps1 games and here you just have the dungeons on the map and you get refilled every time you hit a save point and you like you're not it is more like you still lose you still have like uh a constant health bar you don't refill health every battle like yeah. they will eventually reach but that point but they're not there you yet. were you were given two mages with like an abundance of hit points right from the jump yeah or mp sorry not hit point you know what i mean yeah, I got like it. they can just cast spells like as long as you're not casting the really expensive ones pretty much in perpetuity until you hit another save point yeah because you will refill on all of that regularly enough that it's not a problem yeah uh so you don't like, have the like that layer of fighting in dungeons oh you finish i'll, I'll uh, oh, i was gonna say like you have to worry about titus's mp but you don't have to worry about lulu's you, you do not have to worry about lulu's oh, god i just want to cast haste every time yeah uh and so like the dungeons that are in this game which are the cluster trials like okay we need something that is interacting with the world in some way but it's also extremely segmented it's also unnatural it's also like you press a thing that brings up a menu that asks you to choose. It's like the stuff that everyone makes fun of like Japanese design uh, of video games for is right here. Just really awkward, completely doesn't make any kind of logical sense, but exists this way because of the way the systems are designed. Yeah. Um, and and, and we, weird menus and stuff. When we played, when we played Final Fantasy seven, like a lot of our talk was talked, like brought up with this idea of like one-off experimental mechanics that were like charming and cute in Final Fantasy seven, like on the PS one, those things show up and they're like, oh, it's a neat little thing that they use. And maybe it doesn't work, but it, it like, because everything else is so abstracted, it's fine in this, when you're going good at a good clip and you're enjoying the game that is now like very highly polished and suddenly you have to stop to push a goddamn pillar around for 30 minutes. It's the worst. No one wants to do that. It completely breaks the pace like on a in a real way yeah uh, especially as the game mostly moves faster than other final fantasies um uh nine really exposed the problem of like okay you have 3d animation oh god every battle takes forever but we've still given it the design of a snes game we fucked yep. up <laughs> um yeah the yeah because nine we talked a lot about the battle system being really lethargic and in this game they just do away with that by getting rid of all of the meters and stuff so what the way this game works is it has a conditional it's called the conditional turn-based battle system um in which you are given a timeline of everyone's actions based on their speed that shows you maybe the for like the next like 10 to 15 moves i don't know how many are displayed um and that's you and the enemies and uh, you're given like you're allowed to change you have three party members and you're allowed to change party members at will like it doesn't even take up a turn um and you just bring in who you need and a lot of the game is wrapped around like each character can do a very specific thing like lulu does black magic Arn can pierce armor uh waka can hit flying enemies and you have to bring them in to do those things and push around the enemies specifically because Titus is like a time mage to like Titus can hit faster. He has a move that like takes up, it reshuffles him in the term order faster. When you use it, he has, he can slow down bosses and speed up enemy or speed up allies. And so you want to like adjust the speed of everything. So your turn order is just you going forever. And then the boss goes and it's devastating and you heal up and then you go again for like 20 turns. Uh, and the ways in which that turns this game into like a lot of times when you're, when it's all like, clicking along at a good pace you were just wrecking shop against every enemy when you have like the right people set up yeah but the the crucial thing is that it doesn't 
make the battles faster. Like the battles. Are I not... feel like it totally makes no. the battles faster. No, no way. Because uh, in in nine, you could get into a battle, hit attack six times if you were high level enough, and you would win. But the animation of the like loading in the battle, like that, took too long. But here, the choice isn't to make the battles faster. It's just you. There's always something active to be doing. You have oh, sure. to have Tidus in to get the thing to do. Like it just makes the battle. It the problem that they wanted to solve i think is how do we keep this kind of battle system but have there always be interaction on a level uh that isn't just we need to be a high enough number to beat the other enemies and they did a great job of that the the thing the thing that's changed though is like when you get into battle everything loads in your characters like run in and out really fast they like new characters load in quickly when you choose to attack the characters leaps forward and attacks because you're not waiting for invisible enemy timers to tick over like everything just happens as you enter the commands and while stuff like high level magic and aeons take fucking forever still because it's final fantasy like the flow of a normal combat battle is characters moving and turns happening at a much faster clip than they did oh you're not wrong like it totally does it goes much faster in that sense but i still think that the like the actual thing they did wasn't make it like they didn't go back to the like battles in the snes games or the like versions we played they move so fast it is just unreal how quick battles go in that Uh, yes and they don't try to emulate that. Instead, they like make a battle system that you're always having to be doing a thing, even if you're super high level, even if you've put in the give me the everything cheats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I did at a point. Uh, and I, I thought that was cool, especially in... like I like 13's battle system just fine. I think that it's used badly in that game and becomes exhausting as you fight like a whole row of enemies and basically identical battles over and over again. But that has a similar idea of, okay things like your characters are good at certain things in certain modes and you need to switch between those modes in order to uh have effects happen uh 10 is just that idea but without abstracting it too much that it becomes annoying um and still in the mode of an actual final fantasy thing like it, it's really cool also the time mage stuff yeah. owns yeah like that is yeah just giving you someone with haste and slow relatively early from the jump makes what how that game operates much more interested in you manipulating that stuff well we when we play these games anyway always gravitate to like haste and slow as the core like we're gonna get fast and if we can attack fast the other enemy will die faster and the whole game is built around that as it like as the core mechanic that is this game in a combat sense Uh, yeah so of course it appealed to us yep uh and then uh out like it also is a game that gets rid of levels because you have the sphere grid jackson how do you feel about the sphere grid bad it's uh yeah it's 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 weird because like at the time it was like oh you get like all this like min maxing ability to like move along and choose the things you want but in reality the way that this actually works is you just go along the path and you pick all the upgrades because you want all the upgrades and it costs too many levels to move back and like get things you might have missed why wouldn't you just get everything as you go uh and all it like all it does is give you more busy work to like level your character up. Yeah, like I, I get I get how people enjoyed this, especially like playing it at the time with the expectations of like how long these games were, the like customization you're gonna get. But in a world where this is a game in which you walk in a straight line and you're like it's like it's maybe fifteen minutes of walking in a straight line and doing battles, and then like fifteen minutes of cutscene and a fifteen minute town. Uh, what you then have to do is then spend another full fifteen minutes clicking A. 
oh, a move. Oh, okay, this, and then I'll do this for this thing and select them. Because the menus for that thing are unusable. They are some of the worst menus I've ever used. You press A to select uh, your, your, like, the icon on the sphere grid, and then you choose whether you want to first move or use. And so you choose to move to a certain point on the sphere grid, and then you, when you are static, you can use the spheres to unlock spheres. Uh, but that's not how your brain works it thinks about your brain will think about like making paths through the square grid and you can only make sphere grid paths like three stops at a time because you have to stop to activate all the grids on the way it's it's hell it's the most unusable thing it's so bad and i get how you get here but oh god i hate it yep. and then uh like the whole appeal of this when you first slow down it's like oh i could take different paths and like my character build might be different than your character build but in reality that doesn't really work until you finish everyone's path and then choose to go into a different direction and these paths are still locked in like if i take titus all the way to the end and i end back up towards the beginning and i like then i throw him into like Aaron's path that doesn't like actually change titus much aside from the fact he gets much stronger very quickly uh like, because Arn's still doing the Arn things, Arn has piercing on his weapon, Titus does not. Uh, so Titus is going to still do Titus things, because Arn can't do them. Uh, and then, on top of that, if you play the modern HD re-releases, uh, we are, what you're playing is essentially the international re-release that came out later uh, on PS2 in Japan. And that allows you to choose the Expert Sphere Grid, which changes up the, where everybody is. And everyone starts in the center, so you can kind of pick what path they go in. But that still doesn't allow, like, the customization you'd think where, like, oh, everyone starts from the same place. We can go in all these different directions. Because you still lock yourself into a path where if you take Titus down Lulu's path, suddenly Titus has a bunch of black magic. But you can't stop mid-path and then jump into, like, Auron and suddenly become a badass with black magic. You still have to get to the end of the path and then move over to Auron's path. Uh, also, and it's just not interesting. All it does is like do like a shuffle on character abilities, which I guess is fun if you're playing this game for the tenth time. But I don't think those people exist anymore. Also, the game's combat is designed and is made engaging by the fact that every character is specific. If you turn every character, like the end game of the Sphere Grid, which to be fair will take you so long that you will have beaten the game and beaten everything in it by the time you yeah. get there. But the end game of Sphere Grid is to basically have every character able to do everything, and that doesn't work in a game that. Like the way it is made enjoyable in a battle sense is by having only certain characters able to do certain things, and thus the game is about balancing your characters. Like it, so it just is like antithetical to what the game is about to give you this kind of like choice, and the game knows that, so it railroads you and makes the choice meaningless, and just means you have to sit in a shitty menu for hours on end, uh, like adding up over the game. It's hell. I hate it. Yep. I think that's everything mechanically. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not everything mechanically. Jackson, mm -hmm. you have experienced <sighs> Blitzball. Okay, so my record is 100% win, 0% loss on the Blitzball. I've never lost a Blitzball game in my life. How many Blitzball games have you played? I've played the one. <laughs> <laughs> and I won it. And fuck you, because I'm never playing Blitzball again. That record is untouched. So you're European. <laughs> yes, I am. Cricket. Don Bradman. <laughs> you know about the football the world's game uh yes i do know about football tell me as a footballman how you felt about being put into the tutorial for blitzball <laughs> oh i mean i get i guess i get why you say tell me as a footballman because i was yelling about how sports work while i was uh, 
The principle tutorial, it's a principle's a big part of this game because there has to be some kind of like, you know, triple triad, uh, whatever the fucking one in in nine that no one gives a shit about. Tetramaster. Yeah, no one cares. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Blitzball's the one in ten, which is more memorable if only for the fact that they make you do it and it sucks. Uh it's just it doesn't make any sense because is a sport theoretically with real-time control but it's all based on stats and numbers and turn-based like moves even though you are directly controlling characters in a space your actual spatial control doesn't make any difference for example you are playing blitzball you go towards the goal you get close to it there is a person behind you you have passed your defender you click shoot but the defender is within range of you, so you have to then perform the passing like turn action as if they were just always right in front of you. And there's no... Like, how, how do you do this? How did this happen? Who made this game? Who designed this? This is for insane people. Ah! I don't know. I've never mind. gotten good at Blitzball. I've tried to understand it before. Uh, this is my third time playing this, through this game. Every time I try, I say, I'm going to learn Blitzball this time. I'm going to give it a good try. All my friends hate it, but I'm going to give it a shot. And I get to that tutorial and I read it and I technically understand what it's saying. But in practice, I don't understand why anyone would ever do this or want to do this. But like, because the game is what it is, like you, it all revolves around numbers. So what you do in that first game, which to be fair, uh, I went and looked it up and like, they have said that you are designed to lose that first game. It is meant. Oh to yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like the narration makes sense that you lose that game. Yeah. It is meant to give the feeling of being in like a sports anime against the ridiculously overpowered opponents. But what that actually does is it teaches you that Blitzball sucks <laughs> Yep. and you should never play it again. Like, <laughs> like on some level, Look, I respect- it doesn't matter if we were given like boss stats and we owned that whole story i would still never want to play blitzball again. sure but i kind of almost respect the fact of designing a game so complicated that it takes 12 different menus of uh, tutorials to explain it and then immediately throwing the <laughs> play no. immediately play, throwing the player into a game that is so unfair that it is designed for you to get crushed for five minutes straight and and then going okay now you can do that whatever you want like <laughs> oh square soft oh. yeah after you leave that town after you leave luca you go to the next save point it's like oh unlocked blitzball you can play blitzball from anywhere on the map basically taunting you that the fact that we're gonna make we're gonna let you play this shitty ass game anytime you want no one wants to do that and because you can play uh blitzball like because of how blitzball works uh you don't really have control over anything but yourself when you have the ball uh and that ends up meaning that the real thing that affects whether you're going to score or not is just the dice rolls of are the enemy going to make shots at like not stupid places. Luckily, my enemies made their, all their shots in stupid places. So when I got to overtime, it was nil-nil. And then I made my shot by basically passing all the time and getting Waka right next to the goal. And then I did his special move. And it, it just managed to go through the defenders and the the goalie and i won and i was like hooray never playing that again i think it played exactly the same cutscene and made no difference <laughs> good blitzball we covered it we covered blitzball i hope everyone's happy we're never going to speak of blitzball again hooray! it's stupid it's stupid
All right, it's time to talk about the story. Finally, we got through all the bullshit. Let's talk about the thing we're here for. I love Titus. We get to run down more characters. I love Titus. Can you name me every character in Final Fantasy X? Okay, so Titus. Yep. Yuna. This is this is this is good because none of them have last names. <laughs> oh, it's true. That is true. Yep. Uh, Titus, Yuna, uh, Oren. Yep. Walker. Yeah. Lulu. Yes. Riku. Yes. Kimari. Kimari Ronso. Thank you very much. So is he Kimari? But the Ronso is the race. Yeah, but they just called like I don't know. His name's listed as Kimari Ronso. Okay. Well, sure. Whatever. Uh, so. <laughs> Let's work from least to greatest. So Kimari... <laughs> <laughs> Kimari sucks. And the it's not even his fault. He is built to suck from the moment he's introduced. Like, you're, you're given all the, the world of all these colorful characters, and he's the guy who doesn't talk. <laughs> so he's already off on the wrong foot. And then you realize his whole gimmick is that he's a blue mage, and also, he doesn't have a character path. He just gets to duplicate someone else's path. So he's literally useless in three directions. Uh, and just for good measure, they throw in a solo boss battle with him later in the game. Yes. So if you if you realized he was useless three times over and didn't use him, you were punished for your hubris in deciding <laughs> who's good and who's not. Uh, so we like this game a lot, but holy shit, Squaresoft, on every level, it's no wonder you immediately exploded. <laughs> God damn. Uh, yeah, Kamari sucks. He's like Yuna's, like, guardian pet. He's the huge furry cat man. He is a tiny Ronso, though, which is great. I love when you meet all the other Ronsos and they tower over Kamari. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, so you get, <laughs> you get him and he's ridiculous uh, and he doesn't talk. And then eventually he just does talk and you're like, all oh, right, so that wasn't even your thing. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Fucking thanks. You have nothing. <laughs> yep. You just started talking thing. now. His thing is that he's tiny and the other Ronso don't like him because he wasn't honorable like 15 years ago or something. Oh, Klingons. You know, yeah, but like really shit Klingons. I know. These aren't even the best fake Klingons we've had on this show. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That is fair. God. <laughs> that's a real bummer when you put it <laughs> yeah, like I know. that. I know. I know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Kamari sucks. Who else? Uh, well, if we're going from least to greatest, Waka. <laughs> hmm. Is that true? I, I guess it is. This is a good party. This is a good party because I like Waka. But yeah, no, Walker's fine. But um, the problem is that he's voiced by John DiMaggio, and uh, every time Walker opens his mouth, I just hear Bender with an offensive accent, and it's fucked me up oh, forever. Because no! <laughs> like he does have a pretty questionable accent, brother. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but I didn't real I didn't make that connection because I haven't like I've watched Futurama obviously, and I know what Bender sounds like, but that wasn't in my head. Yep. God, that would ruin it. That would just kill the yeah, whole it fucking really, thing. Fu it really fucks it up. So <laughs> yeah, no, no wonder. Waka, Waka is the leader of the Besaid Oryx. Yes, the Blitzball team. He has a brother, Shapu, who died a uh, long time ago, and he's still fucked up about it. And when he sees Titus, he's like, you can be my new young little brother, and I'm gonna teach. you're going to teach us how to Blitzball, and I'm going to teach you about the world, and we're just going to be best pals. Waka, like... I like Waka, but when I first played this game, I thought Waka sucked the most. I'm I'm a big fan of Waka. He's fine. He's Titus is an idiot in this game. Uh, yes. And then the first person he like actually meets is a bigger idiot than him. Is a big idiot than him, and they both team up to have idiot sports adventures. That's like the opening yeah. of this game. It's great. Yeah, that's fair. 
Because Waka is like really into the religion and he seemed like he's portrayed as kind of like the dumb jock character. So he's he's all about the big games and he's all about what Yevon says. And he doesn't trust the Albed, who are the people who use technology and are like they're they're the outcasts. They're a weird tribe of mech users. But then the way this surfaces itself in the game is later on when we get to like the the big stuff that we'll talk about at, at the end, like the big story stuff where he has having to like go against himself and the, everything he's been taught in order to like beat the video game and he says ah oh, fine i'll do it but i'm not happy about it god damn it you guys like that's basically his reaction every time there's a big plot point i guess yeah then doesn't follow its own teachings yeah <laughs> it's specifically the line before the unalaska fight like i forget what he says but when everyone's like yeah time to kill god he's like ah yeah fuck you i'm killing god i guess whatever yeah <laughs> it's basically um it's basically his whole deal yeah no that and he's sad about his brother chapu chapu <laughs> let's go meet chapu. Which, I get, which i guess brings us to yuna or not yuna lulu who is uh who is lesser only because she's not one of the main characters lulu's actually awesome lulu's better than riku fuck you no no i'm yeah. sorry yes yes she is also riku's the albed which is why she goes one above like you're right and she's more central and but lulu <laughs> no i'm sorry riku's better no i'm just telling you one of them is a playable character in the next game one of them is not ah uh, well they made a mistake there didn't they <laughs> <laughs> who's this fucking pain who is this you have to make a new goth girlfriend oh she's a much better goth girlfriend um lulu is the black maid she is she was like in a relationship slash maybe betrothed to chapu i don't really know for sure i don't see how uh, that would work chapu seems like just as much of an idiot as waka <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know lulu hangs around with waka a lot so clearly she's into idiot men i mean the game does like uh push the possibility of a waka lulu ship which lol uh i'm gonna tell you that the sequel also decides that that's the way things are going fuck you fuck you that's fine as like a thing you can imply in the video game you can't nope. make that canon. no they are just together two years later god damn it anime Sorry. that is why that is why you have a different goth girlfriend she's off being like with waka all right lulu sucks <laughs> But in actuality, she is like the character that became like the punchline for Nomura designs, even though she is amazing, because she's the goth lady who walks around the entire world in a giant dress made of belts with her like stuffed animals casting magic. Also, it's really unfair to saddle her with that, considering every single person in Spira looks like the has the most extra designs imaginable. That's not like Oh, a... you mean Donna. <laughs> yeah, I mean Donna. I mean Titus. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean whatever. Titus just got weird pants. Yeah, like Lulu is but... literally literally decides traveling around the world the best thing to wear is a floor-length gown made of belts. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh okay, yes. It's amazing. And a, and and a top that at best provides zero support whatsoever. And yet in the model a lot of support. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Nobody in this game knows how bras work. Yeah, well, like square soft. Square soft anime. Yep. But Lulu's great because she's clearly the most useful character in the game. Because yeah. Black Magic is just very, very good. So like we'll get to Oren, but Oren is basically portrayed as the person who knows what is going on and kind of like the quiet straight man of the bunch. But Lulu yeah. is also that in a different way, because she's not like hiding something. She's not got any kind of like big relevance to the plot or like stuff that will factor into things other than the Chapu connection, which is my new album. <laughs> <laughs> 
and so she's just kind of like yep I, i'm a guardian i'm gonna we're gonna do this you need to calm down everyone needs to calm down you waka calm down titus you especially calm down everyone needs to calm down stop crushing on yuna so hard go talk to her yep she's great then we have my favorite one of my favorite characters in all of final fantasy i can't believe lulu and waka i come not over that I'm sorry. We'll talk about it when we play that game. Yeah, we will. Riku's cool. I was mean to her in the Lulu section, but Riku's great. So Riku is like the epitome of like Genki anime girls in a game that is like kind of like we'll talk about it when we talk broader about the game, but a game that very much like tries to move away from being peak anime in like really interesting ways. No, it doesn't. Uh, Specifically about the voice acting. Okay, yes, but that's not because... Yeah. Th- okay, that's a different thing. Because yes. the game is the most anime thing ever Oh, made. I know. But Riku, Riku's in all bed, which means she doesn't believe in any of this Yevon bullshit, but she's really into mechs, and she's got cool spiral eyes, because I guess all the all bed have weird spiral eyes. It's not really, like, showing why that's the case, but she does. And uh, she's your thief, and she's awesome, and she met Titus when he first shows up, and then you meet her way later, and she's Yuna's cousin, and she's not going to let Yuna sacrifice herself for something as stupid as religion. Uh, and I love Riku's, like, font of ridiculous cartoon positivity. I think she's very cool. She's great. Her and Titus yep. make a great team. Yeah, because they're both ridiculous in the exact same way. Uh, the almost all of these games character, uh, this game's character interactions being good comes out of the like Rosetta Stone of Titus being an idiot and not like a fucking sad boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it means that everyone bounces off of him really well. And like, so yeah, because you, you have with Riku is that she's just the like regular. Yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna think of things and we're gonna. We're gonna be okay. We'll solve it. We'll solve it. And usually that's insufferable because it's bouncing off of like Cloud being like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I don't like I don't like anything. oh you mean you mean you mean Mr. Squall whatever yeah. Leonhart I mean school whatever Leonhart I mean that kind of yep. bullshit but in this they're both just kind of idiots in different ways and they both bounce off each other really well and so Riku's like Are you, we're gonna do this right and he's like yeah we're gonna do this and then Riku goes you can't just say we're gonna do this that would be dumb you're actually gonna do this and he just goes yeah I mean but that conversation happens about six times yeah no because they just keep psyching themselves up into making sure they find a way out of an impossible situation until they do fake it till you make it but none of them actually any of the conversations come up with a concrete plan until they are provided with one yeah no 100 percent. i mean so in these character descriptions riku is 15 because anime so she's oh, just a child okay sure how old's titus how old's yuna how give me the, how old's everyone yuna yuna is uh yuna 17 titus is 17 okay oren is 35 ancient <laughs> Aaron is ancient Aaron is not 35 waka's 23 lulu's 22 kamari is 25 uh paint oh you were not at there yet <laughs> no, next, no, game. That's the next game i don't know who paint is <laughs> Uh, Wikipedia. I'm just reading the ten and ten two's character list is all together. I so. went to the character list page, and be like, I should look at the characters in this game, but it was ten and ten two, so I couldn't look. No, you cannot do that. Owned. Orin is 35. Are you fucking shitting me? No, he's not. He's like in his 40s, right? I mean, so if he was, if he's meant to be the age that they are when the calm happened, he, I guess he would only be like 28 or whatever, but he's a, he's an old man with gray hair. Like he's not 35. Get I'm, bent. I'm just thinking of like, well, how old is Jack? Cause Jack, when did Jack have Tita's? That is a good question. <laughs> Cause but I mean, Jack has also been like, Jack has also been like frozen for 10 years, right? 
Well, I'm thinking about that as like because I assumed Oren and Jack were basically kind of the same age, and and, and but if that's true, then uh, then all the like backstory stuff with Jack and Tita's happened when like Jack was 23, which yep it explains a lot about Jack. I think. I guess if we. I guess him being an impulsive young parent fucking lines up with everything about Jack. <laughs> yeah. Sure, fine. I take it back. This makes sense. Like, Jack's literally a guy who's defined by he he did keg stands until he had to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's oh. literally his character trait. I fucking love Jack. I love Jack. Uh, who we meet? Is it Oren after? after um, yes, it Ricky? is Oren yes, after. Okay, yes. And there's Yuna and Tita's. Oren is, like, as we said, was a traveling, was one of Braska, who's Yuna's father's childhood companions, when they first fought San ten years ago. He, at the time, he was like a stuffy young samurai knight guy. And now he is like an old, bitter samurai guy who walks around with cool glasses and a jug of booze and his arm in a sling because he was injured long ago. And Arn is your like cool, taciturn, older character. And he is the most cool and most taciturn of all of these types of characters. Like, like put him up against like Final Fantasy VII Sid and you're like, man, Sid really sucks, doesn't he? Oh, God, Sid sucks. (laughs) Yeah. But Oren's great. Oren may have done some things, but he has not, like, left his wife to die in a spaceship. Yep. (laughs) That is true. God, Christ. Fuck Sid. Yep. No, Oren's just like, I'm a ghost, because Oren's a ghost. That was not in our summary of the plot, because it wasn't actually relevant. But Oren died ten years ago, because after his friends died, he got sad and tried to attack a supervillain and just got slapped to death. (laughs) He, He, his death is the most, like perfectly summed up like that character got owned Oren got owned yeah uh it was amazing it was it was fun to watch uh there's a moment where they foreshadow quote unquote the fact that Oren is undead uh, or an an unsent as they say because of the way that the world works you have to send the souls of the dead to the far plane so they may be granted rest lest they turn into fiends but if you're plot relevant you don't turn into a fiend you just stick around (laughs) oh falsy Yes, Falsy. God, we can't. We have to. We'll have a section where we literally make all the comparisons of Thirteen and how it's exactly the same game. It'll happen. We'll get there. Uh, but <laughs> Seymour says to uh, Oren, because Oren like stays out of the of the far plane when they like visit the conduit of the worlds and talk to some dead characters or whatever. Uh, that happens at a point, um, and Oren's like, I can't go in there for mysterious reasons and then Seymour goes like ah oh, Oren you still have the scent of the far plane on you so you're like oh he's dead okay I get he's, he's dead right and what Tidus's reaction instead of immediately figuring this out is to literally sniff Oren until he is smacked <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oren is great because ev- like the only characters who really play off of him are Titus and Yuna, but they do it in the best possible way because Titus is like, oh, here's my cool dad, like my dad's cool friend that I that's always hung around me for like, it's it, it's implied that Oren's just kind of hung around for 10 years, like every once in a while drops in, check on Titus. Yep. Uh, uh, but Yuna is like, oh, my dad's traveling father or companion, Sir Oren, and is very respectful, it's, as is Bartello it's in got- that one scene where Bartello <laughs> fucking flips out when he meets Oren. <laughs> Uh, it's Guardian. You keep saying traveling companion, but it's Guardian. Guardian, right? I, I want to. I keep wanting to say champion. You I don't said, know why. You said champion in some in like the summary. I didn't want to interrupt it, but yep. the Guardian is a Guardian, specific yes. law term because everything has a fucking specific law term. Yeah, yeah. Because it's no, a Star fair. Wars prequel. I finish. I finish this game like outside of the final boss. I just done this game like four weeks. Ago. I know, some I know. of it's gotten a little fuzzy. Yeah, I, I find. <laughs> I, I understand. A lot of terms to keep track of. Falsy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Grand pulse. So Yuna, 
Yeah, Yuna. So I, you know, you could debate who is the the person who should be at the top of this pile, but we have a sequel in which Yuna is clearly the main character. So I guess is this Yuna's story? I mean, no, because Tita says multiple times, "This is my story." Every time you beat up the game, he's like, Darryl, "This is stop my talking. story." The, the, the matter is settled. I slap the gavel <laughs> on the table. We're done. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. Fine. In this, I will give it to you. But Yuna is the best. She is a young summoner whose father died, ending Sin's reign last time. So now she is going to do it. She is like half Albed. Is that what it is? Yes. Her mother was yeah. Albed. She's Which a half hour bed. Why she has his dad is like doing this thing because uh, her dad is doing this thing because like he's kind of outcast because he married yep. an Albed. Um, she has different colored eyes. She is like I feel like outside of Cloud, maybe the second most iconic Final Fantasy character. Uh, in terms of individual characters, yeah, as in like the brand. When you think of Final Fantasy characters, I think you think of Cloud. And I think you think of Yuna. Uh, you know what? That's true. Like Lightning, they pushed as that, but Lightning has not going to stand the test of time. Yep. And then Yuna is like introduced as like, oh, she's so quiet. Oh, I'm Yuna. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching over me. And turns out that actually she's going to agree to get married to a supervillain so she can send him to the far plane when like at the altar. Like Yuna's cool. Yeah, like she dies amazing. off that building. Uh, Yuna's great. I, love uh, I really like Yuna. She has like this great quiet sense of like resolve and i'm gonna get shit done even though no one believes i can because i'm just this like tiny young summoner child and she's the best she's so good yuna's great yeah she's the only one left to like lead her people at the end of the game we'll see how well that goes (laughs) yeah no i mean she's 17 clearly she's up to the challenge yeah she's a pop star by the beginning of the next game so (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is all i know this is all i know about tensi yeah no so uh, you can kind of connect the dots as to how that happens. <laughs> figure a couple things out. I can make some yeah. inferences. People go like, you know, lead us. And she's like, no, I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no. Y- Yuna is excellent. It's hard to talk about Yuna without like talking about Yuna and Titus's relationship. Like it is the core of which this entire game operates around. It is like, there's a lot of lore stuff at the start and at the end of the game as they dive into the state of the world. But the thing that basically carries you through the game itself is the relationship of these two, these two children who have no idea what they're doing with their lives and are about to make just huge decisions for themselves and for the state of the world. And they're very sad about it, but they're not like hashtag sad boys. They're not like fake Shinjis. So they're going to deal with it by getting together and loving each other a lot. Yep. And then we have everyone's favorite short pants hero, Titus. I love him. He is so I like I have talked a lot in these these uh in these about how Final Fantasy protagonists are defined by the fact that I start the game and I'm like, this guy sucks. This guy sucks so much. Like I started nine, I was like, God's Dan sucks. And then you start school and you're like, God's school sucks. Uh and like and Cloud sucks at the start of the game. And then to varying degrees with the revelations usually about whether or not they do or do not exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you understand why they are how they are. <laughs> to be fair, Squall always existed. Squall always existed, but look. Uh, everyone else. <laughs> <Question> <laughs> uh, so you get that scene in um, 
uh, seven, which is fantastic. And like school, uh, fuck, Cloud reconstructs his entire identity before your eyes, and you understand why he is how he is, and then he becomes a doofus for the rest of your game. And you're like, great, Cloud's great. Let's mosey. Let's mosey. Exactly. It's, it's, it's great. And then and then they make a film in which they roll all of that back to make him cool and taciturn again, and he sucks the most. I hate it. I hate it. Gotta hate seven fans <laughs> ruining something I love. And so I, I like really like love school and uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus! I love I love Cloud, um, but Tidus just is a doof from the start. He is he starts a doof, and to be fair, there is still a twist wherein you realize he doesn't actually exist. That still happens in this game, but it doesn't affect his like personality. He's always yeah, no, just he's idiot. mostly like he's mostly like well, I guess that's gonna change how we handle things going forward. <laughs> I, they made an actual likable Final Fantasy protagonist who wasn't distant, who wasn't like you know weird until you understood who they are it wasn't like the role of the girl in the plot to make them open up they they actually were both kind of open and then they went from there it's just all the things that i found very frustrating about the way these games treat their lead characters and lead relationships just gone because tedus is just a goof who is stranded a thousand years in the future and i guess we'll work it out i guess yeah, no, because he's just doofy sports boy, he gets to be warm and silly. Like, very early on, there's that scene where he, like, jumps on the railing of the boat and steals that guy's binoculars, and it's so good. He's just he's just messing around and having a good time, as you would if you were like, I guess I'm in this weird new place. I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah, like, there's, there's a scene very early on in the game where, after meeting Yuna, uh, he... <laughs> He falls asleep and he has like a weird dream where Jack, who's his dad, who he has like this um, uh, like inferiority complex around because he could never be as strong as strong dad. Like also, his dad sucked. Let's be real. His dad extremely sucked. And you th- and the the dream is like, oh, you're not that much of a man. None of these girls are gonna like you. As it like pans between Riku and Yuna, and like he's got a crush on both of them, but doesn't know which one he's gonna choose. And his dad is like bearing down on him and you're like oh no the full evangelion is happening run run uh and i was worried it was going to be that game even though nothing i'd heard about that game would suggest that and then it goes in just the exact opposite direction like there's no romantic triangle tension there's not even any tension between uh like jacked and tedus by the end of it like that relationship is so much more interesting than the bad the dad is bad like yeah he shows he shows up to jacked and jack's like man you you finally made it took long enough and Tidus is like I really hate you and we're gonna I'm gonna kill you and it's gonna be good we're gonna fix this world it's gonna be sad but we gotta do it and they they fucking oh it's so good yep. yeah no there's a line I'm, well, I'm saving because it's my fa- it symbolizes everything good about those two characters that I yep. yelled at you when I finished I yelled yep. but those are the characters we should talk about the actual what happened I mean we didn't talk about Jacked beautiful Jacked Beautiful, beautiful Jack, our idiot, our idiot dad of an idiot son. <laughs> a shitty ass dad who is, he's literally just Titus, but like his tan is three times darker and he doesn't wear a shirt. And ever. he's got like slightly more muscles. And he's got a ton of scars. He's like cool Titus. The, the way in which this is the funniest is that they both have the one short longer than the other. Like, yep. And they've been, yep. this looks like they've got two versions of the same like clothes. It's ridiculous. Yep. And then Jekt was like the ultimate Blitzball star that Tidus grew up to be, but Jekt was even better and bigger. And then he disappeared and he went to 
Spira. And on his adventures, he was like that same guy. He was this drunk doofus until like he had all these things where like he was drunk and attacked a shoe puff and he was just belligerent to Auron and uh, Braska. And slowly he became like a actual hero and like changed his ways. He stopped drinking. He apologized to everyone. He was a stand up dude. And like you get to see that through like basically the whole movies of Braska, Aaron, and uh, Jack's journey as you like collect spheres, and Jack going from like the bad dad of Final Fantasy to like this sad tragic figure who is like willing to like let his son kill him because it's the only way to save the world is so good. Yeah, no, there's definitely like reflections of the stuff I liked about Laguna. Um, yep. Jack is not the same character at all, but in no. the way of having this like completely distant father who has made very, very many mistakes, but goddamn them, they're a hero. Uh, uh, Jack is probably more of a hero than Laguna is. Laguna is always a doof. Jack is like, a, like Luna, Laguna doesn't have the tragic arc Jack does. No, Laguna just kind of goes through everything best he can. Like, Laguna just ends up president. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jack ends up being like the engine of sin for ten years. So, as like a conscious decision to will something to happen that is so unlikely, but through the force of like Oren and friendship, it is able to make true, and the universe can be saved. You know, oh, Jack's great. So Seymour Guado, he sucks. <laughs> you know, Seymour, Seymour feels like a weird holdover from like, oh, we need like a Sephiroth for this game. When I was playing through this game and um, before I like saw what the game was about and how it ended, like Seymour was the just the the thing with which my complaints and frustration around the games kind of revolved because he just comes in and he goes, if you think if you think about it, death would be better. So what if we killed everyone? And then there would be no more suffering. And you're like, I've played a JRPG before. Shut up. <laughs> he just yep. comes in, says that, and you think, is that is this what the game's really revolving around? This fucking guy who just comes in and says the JRPG villain thing, and then you hate him because he sucks. And luckily, the game has a lot more going on, and he basically doesn't fucking matter. He, no, he, he basically, he, like, he ends up becoming the Ultros of this game, but he's like Sephiroth as Ultros. Yep. Uh, because he shows like he's he's like clearly sinister from the first time you meet him but you kill him a third of the way into the game and then he keeps showing up to menace you <laughs> as your characters get more and more annoyed that he keeps showing up uh yeah and then the second place he shows up uh is the worst area in the whole game oh the bevel stuff is so bad because you literally just fight like a ton of his guard on, on a staircase and you could have cut half of those fights it wouldn't have changed the pacing at all would have made it a lot better and then there's one of the worst cluster. The, the single worst cluster of trials happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. Seymour sucks. Yeah, he does. Do we have anyone else? Uh, I just wanted to mention uh, Machen, who is your exposition <laughs> yes! old man who oh, walks around. Majin, I love him. <laughs> and that, as they say, is that. Uh, <laughs> in, in a game with like weird, sometimes like because of the technology stilted and very like voice actor like american cartoon voice actor voice acting he is like a weird outstanding voice and that's because he's voiced by dwight Schultz, who played uh barkley in star trek really my yes. man <laughs> yeah get it done that's his excellent. old man explaining things is always a delight like you, you run up on him and every time i'm like i don't really care what you have to say but i really like your voice acting so i'm gonna listen to you say it 
And then we learn about the statue that stands here on the road. <laughs> yes, it's so good. Because like his voice acting is amazing, but they've localized his lines to be consciously ridiculous. He's one of the best NPCs. Like, I immediately, on the first time we met him, uh, just videoed his line to put it on Twitter. Because, like, look at this guy! And then yes. got a bunch of replies like, oh, you've met Machen. He's beloved for a reason. Um... If you are not Star Trek trash like us, you probably know Dwight Schultz as a Murdoch from the A-Team, by the way. Oh, but, who cares about look, that? we're Star Trek trash. <laughs> who cares about that? I realize I should probably clarify that he's, like, famous from an 80s television show we didn't watch. <laughs> he's Barkley. He's Lieutenant Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, I guess that's every. I think that's everybody who matters. Uh, this is probably a good time to, like, pivot to talk about the voice acting, right? Yes. So... One of the things I sent Jackson as I was doing my research is, and you can tell, is that the voice acting for this game is tied, like, into the scripting of the actual game. So when the game was made in Japanese, the, like, voice acting triggers events and you they couldn't retime the lines in order to, like, localize it. So you had to match the timing, no matter what the line was, or else the entire game would fall apart. They hard-coded the voice acting into the game because Squaresoft is a company that shouldn't exist and then didn't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which means you have a game that is kind of defined by like a very weird, stilted way of speaking for a lot of like a lot of ways, um, like lines that should be like important just get tossed off really quickly because it's probably a Japanese phrase that like was just a, like three syllables and they have to just shove it in, and then moments that should just be like brief end up going forever. And part of it's just PS2 scripting is like ridiculous and slow, but also like this game seems like a localization nightmare. Yes, uh, there is one specific like anecdote that uh, makes the localization team seem like the heroes that save this game because it's impossible. Like you, they have to have been to make this game even play half as well as it like does. They need to, to have been like so atop of their games because of how bad the pacing is. Uh, the thing that I was, I've been struck by playing this again in a world where like I've played a bunch of Persona and a bunch of like RPGs after this is because this game came out in 2001 and it's before this type of game became like really popular or codified and kind of like in a yeah. weird space where like with anime and stuff is that the voice acting doesn't like most of these games these days just have clearly like the anime voices. You know, you get Yuri Lowenthal in to do a voice. <laughs> this game doesn't have any of that and it feels really different because of it. Like the voice acting feels much more naturalistic and much less of this genre than a, a, this game would have like even three years later. Yeah, like we talked about how the like designs uh, of the characters uh, before the uh, way in which anime like character design got codified across visual styles in 3d uh like mm -hmm. led to a very specific kind of like asian character design that was very cool and that happens in a different way with the voice acting where anime voice acting has not yet like this is a, this is only three years after spike spiegel like we're not yeah. like the this isn't the era where you know you have the exact uh tropes of anime voice acting and they just you know, they just hired the voice actors and they gave the the voice acting, like, you know, the how they would approach to any game at the time, I guess. Like, with, with this much money, they went and got the actors and had them read the lines. Uh, and you can tell. Yeah. You have the worst 
narration since Blade Runner, <laughs> the theatrical cut. The narration's really bad, but T- so I was warned about how bad Titus's voice is, but I, I think it's fine. It's so good. It, like Titus's voice is great. He doesn't sound like this character would sound in any modern game. He actually has like a sense of like personality to him and a very ridiculous beach voice because he's a like he's a baseball player. So we're gonna give him just intense surfer voice, apparently. Yeah, but also like. When he is just like, uh, like the joke is always that he says something like without any import in the game, and then the voiceover comes in and repeats that exact thing and is like, I would never forget that time. And like the earnestness with which the voice actor sells it and the ways in which it like ties into TS's character as like someone who can be goofy but is never not like 100% behind everything he says. It's not like a facade. He's just, he's just a very earnest character and it plays with that. Like it just leans into that is really good. In a world in which this basically exact thing would happen with, uh, what's her name? Um, the, the V, Vanille? Yes. Yeah, like in thirteen, like oh god, extreme. Which anime is voice which is acting. like yeah, the epitome of anime voice acting to the point where like the character is like very annoying to me because it's like I've seen this character in everything. Yeah, like it's it's worlds apart. This is fine. We didn't know how much better we had it before. Like I get why you mock the laughing scene. I get why you mock his voice. It's like his voice is grating in a very specific way that is probably intentional because he's a ridiculous character, and then yep. he is given lines that are just. <laughs> into a room like the room has a thing on it it goes ah oh, never forget that decoration on the wall it reminded me of yuna's burden like that's basically what he's <laughs> all his lines are in the voiceover it's very bad uh, and i get why you mock those but knowing where this genre and style of video game is going to go it was better before we didn't know what but we also had gone. this entire game plays with him being like he's a goofy character who doesn't realize how sad the world he's in is until it's too late to do anything about it. The central, well, the first central twist of the game revolves around something that is obvious to literally every character, including the player, has been obvious the entire time, and Titus didn't realize it. That is the, <laughs> the Titus spends Titus spends the first third of this game talking to you know like oh when we get our pilgrimage done I'm going to take you to my Xanarkin and we're gonna we're gonna have a great time we're gonna party there's gonna be corn dogs it'll be great and yuna's just there like i'm gonna be dead by then and everyone knows it but no one's saying anything because everyone's too sad and then eventually it's revealed that like no you know she's going to have to die at the end of the the actual thing that happens is when you like uh around like after um operation Meehan when you go to that like lightning tump or whatever there's a scene where everyone's laughing and the narration goes everyone's laughing i was laughing too i didn't realize at the time but they were all laughing because they were too sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's like i think my laugh was the only one that was real or something yeah like that (laughs) you He's a fool. <laughs> yeah, but in like the way that salvages everything, because this game could be super dreary and dark, but because of Tita's being that way and Yuna being really resolved to like, she, like her whole thing is like, I know I'm going to die. I've known it forever, but I want to have this be like a good time with my friends as we travel the world before that moment. Like you have these two characters who are willing to ignore the sadness of the world to like celebrate the like beautiful places they go through and the weird adventures they get into. And that just really makes it like a thing that is like uplifting and fun as much as it is like a tragic game. And only like helps like underline the tragedy when it does show up. Yeah. And then you get like after Bavel, which is one of the worst areas in the game, uh, you get the one of the best cutscenes in the game, which is the famous one that's in all the uh, like key art of them in the pool uh, as uh, the song plays. 
Yep. Uh, and, you know, they kiss. They, they fuck. What they've, it, it's implied through the song. They fuck. But, but also, like, she's like, I don't care if Yevon is evil. Like, I still need to stop saying someone has to do this. And it, it, it's clear that it's only going to be me. And you, you want us to run away together. But I really can't do that. Yeah, like, the scene is played as him going convincing him to uh, convincing her to run away with him but it's actually both of them accepting that this is what they're going to do and there's no like escape from it so we may as well do it together uh no it's it's really good yeah no it, final Fantasy 10 it's a very good video <laughs> after the fell i was like almost done with this game and having that yeah, scene no. immediately after uh, yeah. it was it's almost as if back. they know that bavel is fucking bullshit oh almost as if yeah you get that scene Thir- flash forward to Final Fantasy Thirteen. You do the Pope ship for three hours, and then you have another dungeon. <laughs> what a fucking terrible game! So the reason we keep bringing up Thirteen, and we'll just get into this now, I guess, is uh, Jackson played Final Fantasy Thirteen back in the day when it was new. We, no, I don't think we, he finished it. Right? We both played Final Fantasy Thirteen yes, no, up to the Pope ship. <laughs> Yeah, and then we both burned out because 13 is a bad game. And then in the past few years since we've been doing this, we've all both gone back and actually completed Final Fantasy 13. And Final Fantasy 13 is a literally terrible game, like just through and through. I know people like it, and fine, whatever. And even you I'm more like I like I like the combat. Is basically the difference we have. <laughs> you know, and I think the combat is boring and bad, but. Uh, but the actual game, like knowing that we were going to hit this, I've always told Jackson because you were very much like, I know a lot of things about 10. Like, I'm not super excited to play 10 because like, it's the game I know the most about. And yeah. like, I don't think there's a lot of surprises there. And like, you're not wrong. You were not wrong about that. No. But I was always like, no, no, no. You could, once you play 10, you will understand like the sadness people have for a game like Final Fantasy 13, because it's literally the exact same game, but every choice is bad now. Yeah, no, it's, it's identical. So going down the list. <laughs> <laughs> like walk forward to make the game happen check yep all of your characters are tasked with a horrific magical burden and once they do that they will die check yeah, like that was one character it is now everyone yep the world is ruled uh, by a, hip- a hypocritical religion that must be overthrown check check <laughs> uh yep. you land in australia check <laughs> yeah you go you go through the most linear game in the world and then to like near the like at the 75 percent point it just drops you into a big open area to mess around in check but also that open area in 13 is much worse and is like actually like where they put all the content but in 13 it's the like it, the thing that's caught me off guard coming to um uh the calm lands which is the equivalent of pulse in 13 is that it's, it's just the green area it's the same like if if this if this game was on the same was on the ps2 like these would be the same textures it's the same yep. it's the same <laughs> yep <laughs> but instead you're in grand pulse for like seven hours yes. doing a bunch of bullshit and, and not only are you on there for seven hours doing a bunch of bullshit but it's the part of the game cited by people as when it gets good which imagine <laughs> being i guess we were this person we were cited all about uh chapter uh chapter 11 like oh that's when the game gets good and then you go and it's it doesn't it actually gets worse <laughs> Yeah, no. Cool. There is a video of me going through fucking oh, Nagens, I don't the, the giant tower, and all I do in that like hour long video is complain about how this game is Final Fantasy Ten but bad. <laughs> you sure do. And everything makes yep. sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole God. God. <sighs> but this game This game so <sighs> I'm trying to think of how to say it. Like 
th- there's a way like a reading I have on this of like it feels consciously like I don't know what you do with this like kind of genre after this the way they end it is so uh killing god is the thing that happens at like the bit before the end of the game it's not even the main point it's like okay what happens after we do this what happens after the thing that happens in all of these games happens like you go to xanakand you realize all the twists you realize that um yuna has to sacrifice one of the party and then everyone does the power friendship thing and goes to Unalaska and goes no we are not going to kill we're going to kill you instead we're not going to kill sin with the final aeon we're going to destroy the aeons and we'll be free of this and they do that but it doesn't solve the problem and then you just have a, an extra act that doesn't really exist in these games like usually that would be the climax and so you have to like figure out where to go from here it feels very like deliberate yeah. it, about... is, it is almost it's like it's like true end of persona but like always in the game no because i was thinking specifically of persona as being oh really the, yeah like the true end of persona is this like, t- like the true the, the, yeah the true end of that's pers- what i mean but like the part where you're on the airship going like, well, now what the fuck do we do? We killed Unaleska, but how do we get rid of Yevon? Or, like, what do we do to stop Sin? And the answer is, like, kill all the Aeons so you can actually get at Yevon is, like, the moment where you have to piece together the true murderer in Persona 4 or whatever. Yeah, well, like, you're not wrong, like, formally, but it c- it's completely different thematically to me because persona like you the true ending is oh you find the god that is like it's not worth it and then you murder them and then the power of friendship the status quo wins but in here you have a world where the status quo is so untenable that it is like actually about finding a new way that isn't in the mold of these kind of stories you have to find something yeah. to do that is new and like i read that as being intentional like not oh that no that's that's fair as like genre commentary and so i understand how you can't really follow this game up without just doing the same thing again like the game is about breaking from tradition in a very direct way uh i mean you know literally performs the last sending in the final cutscene, and what like sends the aeons sends like Auron sends all like the entire old world washes away in like her last dance it's not yeah it's not subtle about it you kill summons summons don't exist yeah uh it's you know it, it's very direct about what it's doing uh and i i thought it was fantastic the ending of this game was like it's a lot it, i was crying it was a whole thing uh yep. i finished the game and i yelled at you because basically what happens is you kill Jex and uh while you're in sin you meet Jex and Jex's like huh still not as big as me <laughs> And you're like, God, I hate you, Dad. And both of you are like, (laughs) As you, like, cry and hug and shit. It's really good. And then he's like, because of the timing of the lines, he's like, you're crying. I knew you'd be crying. God, you're crying. You're crying now. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Japanese games. Uh, And then you you kill Jack, and Jack disappears, and then Orin disappears, and then you kill kill you, Yevon. We haven't really talked about fucking you, Yevon. It was in my narration. Yes, I know, but we haven't talked about him. him. Yeah, that's because it doesn't matter. It's the the manifestation of... Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, and then, like, so you end it and everything's ending, and then you have the moment where, um, uh, Titus and Yuna, are, like, Yuna runs to grab Titus because he's disappearing, and she, like, falls through him, and it's super heartbreaking. And she says, I love you. Uh, and that's, like, the big climax of the game, and you're like, I'm crying so much. And then the actual perfect ending is that as he's spirited into the afterlife and thrown into the nothing he jumps into into like the the next world and high fives jacked and nothing has ever been better on earth it's the greatest catharsis in a video game i mean it's not actually but in that moment it feels like it fuck it's so good and it's not actually the ending (laughs) no for what it's worth no 
but it there is, are two more events that happen. But it is it's Titus's ending. Yes, but then you have Yuna addressing everyone in like the Blitzball Arena, <laughs> as she's like, she's like, we have a new like, there's a new path now. Like she gives the speech where like I'm going to guide you into a new age, even though clearly that's not what happens. But um. Like, it's really beautiful. And it's like, oh, all the friends we've lost, like, lost and all the dreams that have faded. Like, we must remember them as we go forward. And everyone's standing behind her and, like, uh, fucking Waka gives her, like, a fist bump. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the final credit scene. Yeah, no, cows. Titus wakes up uh, in the ocean and swims towards the surface. God, final Fantasy X. Oh, God, I... Why is that scene in the game? I would not have put that in there. If you put that in there, you're just going to get a bunch of forum threads demanding a sequel. Well, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) They got a sequel, and the people who would most ask for that sequel hated the sequel they got. (sighs) End of Evangelion. Uh, We are going to play that sequel next year. It'll be great. Don't know when, because uh, we're going to be very busy, and by all accounts, Tentu is just as long a game as Ted. In a very different way. Yes, in a very different way because it's not as it's it's a direct sequel, so it's you can't be as cutscene heavy. They do not put the money behind those in the same way. And lots of weird fiddly bits. <laughs> a lot of fiddly bits. Dungeons are back. Dungeons are back. <laughs> missions. You choose missions from a mission list. What the fuck is this game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Dress fears. Yep. Uh what so tell me as someone who played 10 at the time what was the reaction to the end like to the titus ending so i didn't play 10 at the time i played 10 in college because i didn't have a ps2 i played 10 in like the fall of 2004 so you don't you weren't there yeah no i was not there for any of this i want to know i want to know what the feeling was of that ending because i can talk to you about how 12 happened at the time and how 9 happened at the time (laughs) cannot i can't tell you about 10 the shame because i i bet the so, reaction was not because everyone loves you and Titus and want them to be together that is just a true fact yeah like the thing the thing i knew about 10 and this is at a time where i kind of wasn't into games in the way like i was before and after um i kind of like college happened and you just kind of drift away a little bit um i um i remember like everybody likes this game like i don't know what gamers thought but like even people i wouldn't consider like games people played 10 because it was a big damn deal and everyone had a ps2 and like had a lot of affection for it like it's the it's it's it was a big game in a way that i don't think even like something like final fantasy 7 wasn't the big game in this way before or since like the only thing that's big in this way is kingdom hearts yeah, no. right well like, i it came after that i think of 10 in the same way i think of kingdom hearts in that it is the game in which the girls at school played like yeah like it is the game that broke that barrier that i i know is a game that i would say more people that i know are fans of it are like not the cool game of boys at school who suck like it actually yep. had a fan base beyond that uh and i think i think that's true of rpgs in general oh for yeah. sure and always has been but i think of this but game all... and kingdom yeah. hearts as the two like cause of that and how like how that happens and... yeah because this game also hit the mainstream in a big way because ps2's like ps2 was a cultural institution in the way that the playstation was not Ah, uh, yes it was so I just I just didn't have one until really late. So like this is an era where like I don't have like I like this game a lot, but I don't have a lot of affection for PS2 games. I don't I and I wasn't around for like people's reactions in the era. I got so an I Xbox. Tell you. <laughs> yeah, you got an Xbox. I had a GameCube, and I wasn't playing very many games on that either. That's well, that's because you know. <laughs> I bought I bought a I bought a PS2 finally for Rock Band or not Rock Band, a Guitar Hero. Okay, well that's, that's those are two different games. Get, Yes, yes. No, I pushed myself to get a PS2 uh, when I got a job out of college entirely for Guitar Hero. But yeah, so, so I, I don't 
I I put no stock in that final scene. Like it's just a tag. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, whatever, like 10 two will happen and stuff will happen in it. And you kind of know some of that stuff. Well, so spoilers for 10 two, I guess, uh, in terms of what I know, like, I know that game was sold on, oh, Titus is coming back. You can get Titus back. Like, cause that's the premise of the. So the, 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 the jump off premise is Yuna has evidence that Titus might not actually be gone. Yeah. She's going to go find out. The game is not actually about that at all. Yeah, no, it's Peace Walker. <laughs> it's like Peace Walker begins and the first thing you do is you there's a recording of the boss with a recent song in it. What does that, that oh, mean? Oh, really? That is, that. yeah, this is <laughs> yes, literally no. she gets a sphere that has a recording of Titus. It's literally and... the same. And it goes, it goes to something <laughs> completely unrelated. Um, God, good. Uh, I mean, the... the I, I, gonna assume that there is not an ai sphere of titus in fucking 10 2 um the answer might be dumber than that great fantastic <laughs> fucking final fantasy peace walker coming soon yeah uh but no like so it, like that's what it's sold on but the own like the re the reunion of Yuna and titus is like a bonus super good ending thing that like yep. happens in that game but isn't really actually what the main game is about no the main game like the main, the actual like plot of the game is these three girlfriends go on great adventures together. Well, because I know I've watched I have watched a video on both. I've watched a video series long ago on both ten and ten two that went through the entirety of both games. I've fucking forgotten most of it. Like I also did one on eight. Uh, the the complained about how shit they were and how Final Fantasy was ruined or whatever. But whatever. I don't I don't really remember them. The stuff I do remember uh, are. The, it's a game about like it's a treasure hunting game where there's a lot of like weird finicky dungeons uh and lots of reused assets and stuff and you're on an airship yeah. the whole time and you yes. re-go into areas a lot these are the things yes. i remember but also like thematically the actual plot is like the religion of Yevon has been proven false and sin's gone and everyone through like the last thousand years has wrapped their entire lives around sin will come back every 10 years someone has to sacrifice themselves to beat sin that's all gone. What the hell do we do? And like that stuff is really interesting. Well, we have a big fight about it. <laughs> yeah, no, basically. <laughs> suddenly six factions show up and argue about who's going to run the place. Uh, we, some of us go, we should use guns. And the other people go, that's a terrible idea. The guns are what got us in this mess. And the people with guns win because they've got guns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as cuz dried as that, but that definitely is like part of the plot of that game for sure. I 100% think that is going to be what happens. That is like, you, when you think about that question for five seconds, that's what the like possibility that comes up. <laughs> yep. I'm very excited. This game's great. I'm excited to keep going. We don't have long enough Final Fantasy quests. Mystic Quest. Yes, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Our Final Fantasy Adventure, which does not cover Final Fantasy Adventure. That's how we say Our it. Our Final Fantasy Plans. Saga. No, there's no game called Final Fantasy Saga. Isn't Saga Final Fantasy Adventure? Isn't that correct? Am I correct about that? I uh, don't ask me. I don't. I didn't play any of those games.
you have questions, send them to podcast at abnormalmatching.com. <laughs> We've been talking a long time. We recorded Gundam before this, and I'm tired now. Um, okay. We have we have one question from our friend, Personal Corpse. We do. Are y'all as disappointed as I am that we have yet to see Lulu in a Kingdom Hearts game? Do you have plans to play 10-2? How many lightning strikes did you dodge? So, okay. Lulu and Kingdom Hearts. No, because... Well, so, like, uh, Tidus and Walker in Kingdom Hearts 1, and... I don't actually think there's any new 10 characters in ten in Kingdom Hearts 2. Because, uh, like, Vivi's in it, and Setzer's in it. I think that's it. Or And uh, Advent Children, Tifa's in it. Great. Uh, I mean, that's good. Which is the best part. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, but I don't, I don't remember there being, I don't know. Kingdom Hearts need, like, I feel like Kingdom Hearts has gotten away from Final Fantasy as like a pulling point and that's probably for the best. Well, they invented their own Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, no, all of a sudden they just filled it with like Aqua and I was going to say Noctis, but that's actually a Final Fantasy character, <laughs> but it sounds like a Kingdom Hearts character. Uh, no, if you tell me that everyone in Final Fantasy 15 is in Organization 13, I'd believe you. Yeah, no, that's fair. They don't have X's in their names though. I don't care. I don't. I haven't played. I haven't got it memorized yet. Noxtus. <laughs> yes. Put X's in all the dumb names of fucking Final Fantasy 15. I've not played that game, but I will at some point. I've already. I already think it's going to be dumb. That's my. Zygnus. Yep. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Claudio X. <laughs> it's Gladio. But Gladio, whatever. Cla- Gladio X. Claudio fine. X is a different podcast. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> yes, that is that is. Uh, I need mayo.com. Please enjoy it. <laughs> Claudio X. Uh, you know that he. We made... already said we. Well, whatever. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say something about Claudio. I'll edit this out. Okay. Um, we like we said we have plans to play ten two. It will probably be like summer of next year by the time we get to it. Yes. That's that's what it's looking like right now. Zero lightning strikes. Fuck you. Ah, so when I played this game in college, I got everyone's ultimate weapons, which means I dodged 100 lightning strikes. I did not win at Blitzball enough to get Walker's ultimate weapon. What did you I had do? A friend. What did you fucking I... do, you monster? Tell the world. So one of one of my friends, uh, she really liked Blitzball, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can, can would you do the Blitzball for me? And she was like, Yeah, sure. And then she did, and so she she like came to our room and was playing through the Blitzball. And it actually takes a while, and she had forgotten just how much work it took. So we all got bored, and we went to go see a movie and get sushi, and left her playing Blitzball for the next like six hours. The most evil thing you've ever done to a person. I don't care if she agreed. Uh, she offered. She I don't offered. give a shit. This is unconscionable. Duh, I got Walker's ultimate weapon though. Oh, you sure did. Yeah, I sure did. Sure did. Uh, but I did the lightning strike dodges myself. Thank you very much. I would never do it again. Don't be don't be dumb. Don't do these things in games. No, I will not. Don't worry. Not planning on it. Nope. Jackson. Yes. You know what? Actually, let's talk about uh, next month. Do you want to tell people what we're doing next month before the plug zone? Next month, we are doing one of our favorite stupid things. We didn't. We ran into it. We ran into it by accident. Just like... Uh, we so we had a poll. We had a poll with a bunch of games that we wanted to choose between, uh, and the winner of the poll was Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. The PS2, Xbox, GameCube game we'll be playing on probably the re-releases on PS3. Uh, we um, we'll be playing those. That's from two thousand two, three, and three. Oh, is, was it that late? Pretty sure it's three. Huh. Okay. Is that I thought there's three of those games. Okay. Whatever. I assumed it was whatever. <laughs> Two Thrones came out in a time where it also got released on the Wii, so... No, it didn't. Yes, I played Two Thrones on my Wii. 
Two Thrones did not get directly released alongside of the Wii. It, it wasn't released alongside, but there was like a, like a six months later edition that got released on the Wii. This, are you are you sure it was six months later? Yeah. Okay. It was. Yes, fine. That was 2005, and then the Wii version came out in 2007. Okay, so not not exactly, no. but I played that game on my Wii. Fine. Um, but yes, we are going to be playing Prince Birds with the Sands of Time. Which means that in condition, condition, fuck, we've been podcasting for too long. Uh, in accordance with our ridiculous promise, we will also be watching Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, the 2010 uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's going to be fun for everyone. Yep, we call this Maxwell's Rule. <laughs> Do we? Yes. Okay. Is he Maxwell Payne? No, I assume I don't know. Is Maxwell, which one's funnier, Maxwell or Maximilian? I think in this instance, Maxwell's Max, rule sounds I mean, better Maxwell's than Maximilian's rule. Is rule. Much funnier. And now that we've said it three times, it's been it's been made canon. There's like nothing we can yeah, do about no. it. It's already happened. Yep. <laughs> so yes, you can watch and play the game if you want to, or do neither. I think you should play the game. Uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time is a really fucking good game. I'm so. very excited because I love the Assassin's Creed early games. Uh, and just want to play a game that's entirely about running and jumping on like poles and roofs, uh, and so I've been told that there's a game all about that. It's called I, this game. I feel like I feel like the game has more in common with Tomb Raider Legend than it does Assassin's Creed. But yes. Oh well, yeah, no, it's like you run on the side of a wall to get on a column to turn around to jump on another thing, yep. and then if you fuck up, you rewind time. It's everything we like about video games. I've played, I've played like half of Two Thrones. Like I know the basic idea of Prince of Persia. So okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. Please tune in next month for that. If you want yeah. to vote on any future games or suggest games for the game club, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Uh, if you subscribe for five bucks a month, you can suggest us play any video game. You have the power to put something in the poll list. Uh, if you want to vote in the poll of the games that are like selected each month, uh, then that is one buck a month. You can you can uh, participate in those polls. We have a bunch of other podcasts. We have Second Officer Slog, which is our Star Trek podcast right now. It is doing um, uh, podcasts weekly for Discovery, in addition to the uh, monthly episodes where we read books and watch episodes, and it's a good time. If you like Star Trek, you should join us. That is at Star Trek Podcast dot space. Uh, I do a podcast with Molly called The Amory Score, where we listen to and read the work of Coheed and Cambria. It's incredibly stupid. Let us tell you the story of Mayo. It is not our biggest show, but the fans of that show enjoy it a lot. We get a lot of tweets about how dumb and beautiful Mayo is. Everyone loves Mayo. That podcast can be found at INeedMayo.com. <laughs> Little did you know when I gave you that horrible domain that actually it would remain true and that Mayo is the character that everyone loves and needs in their life. I was worried that after that first, after the song where he says, I need Mayo, <laughs> uh, that joke it would, would stop being relevant. Yeah, that joke would uh, like be played out. But no, it is in fact the like calling card of our entire show. We need Mayo. <laughs> <Yeah>. Honestly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, we do the Great Gundam Project every uh, every week we watch two episodes of Gundam and that is a Patreon exclusive podcast for everyone who donates one dollar a month or more it's very good we just recorded an episode right now it's a good time please enjoy that uh, do we have anything else to announce anything else to say where are you on Twitter ah uh, shit hi I'm at Headfuls Off you are you can find me at em underscore being this podcast is at thebestgame.club 
Everything is at patreon.com, or not, blah, 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 as at abnormalmapping.com. We also host Fireside Friends. You can check that out. It's a good podcast. There might be a show coming up in November, a new podcast. So look forward to that. Yes. Um, I do on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash normapping, Let's Plays. Right now I am working on Gabriel Knight's Sins of the Fathers, which is a fucking fantastic game, and Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which is less of a fantastic game. Um, and I will continue those for the next couple weeks, probably. Uh, that's it, I think. Again, patreon.com slash mapping. Give us your dollars for all of the hours of entertainment we give you. Come back next time for a very dumb, I'm sure, podcast, because we get to talk about a boring-ass movie. <laughs> Look, and, uh, look, it is very boring. <laughs> yep, look forward to all of that. Uh, thanks, everybody. Suzuki